Blog Talk Radio. Because you have to put in your cell number when you fill out your brackets. He said, if someone had a perfect sheet going into the Final Four, I would call them, offer them between 10 and 15 million, and try to buy them out. So, what okay. I want to know from you is if you had a perfect sheet going into the Final Four for a billion, and Warren Buffett calls you and says, let's settle it now, I'll give you 15 million cash tax free, what would you do? Okay, I'm going to be perfectly honest here. Okay. The first thing, the first thing that I would do is ignore the call because I don't answer phone calls where the number's not saved <laughs> in my phone. Come on, man. So I wouldn't even get Warren Buffett's phone call. I would get Warren Buffett's voicemail that he called me to offer me the payoff. Then I would think about whether or not I wanted to call Warren Buffett back and it depends on the final four now if I'm having a perfect bracket 
my final four, I'm a little, I'm a little shaky with my final four. So if I got Warren on the phone and he said, yeah, 10 to 15, no taxes, straight up. If I could get the 15 off the rip, then then, then that's a wrap. We just going with the 15 because my, my final four is just not, I'm not comfortable with my final four. That's what I wanted to know. I am not comfortable with my final four. But you're talking about a billion dollars. Yeah, but that's how not confident I am with my final four. Like, I know Wichita State is not going to make it to the final four. I know that. But I don't trust Florida enough to make it to the championship game. I expect them to make it to the final four. But I don't know if I trust enough to say, you know what, Warren, no, I'm going to stay with going for a billion because I don't really, I don't trust Florida that much. Yeah, I think I have Michigan State beating Florida. As do I. And see, that's why I can't, I can't roll with, with, with Florida. But my surprise team, I have a feeling mm-hmm. that McDermott's not done and Creighton is going to make a deep run. Really? That's what I. That's that's what I'm feeling. The bracket is just shaped up really nice for them, for him to not even really exert himself too much in the first few rounds, and they're gonna get wins. And then mm-hmm. when he really needs to, he is going to really have a really good game. My issue is when he runs up on a defense from one of these power conferences, a defense that's like, you know what, we got enough good players that we can put two or three guys on you and keep the rest of your team at bay. Mm-hmm. Like, if they if they treat him like the Pistons used to treat the Bulls, like, yeah, Mike's going to get 30, 40, but Scotty's not going to score 10, and we're going to punch him in the nose when he comes down on <laughs> If they decide to play Creighton like that, do I truly believe that he can carry them against some of them, 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 them two or three seeds they're going to run up against? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Arizona, I don't trust. So I'm like, I'm looking at my Final Four. If Warren Buffett was like, hey, Terrence, you got a perfect bracket. You know, you want this 10 to 15 mil. Warren might, I might need somebody there with me that's like, look, negotiate with him. I might be trying to take the 10. Before he re-looks at my bracket and realizes yeah. he might be able to go down to five. So that's my issue. Yeah. I'm not, I don't that's feel That's been the big question. Like, do you settle yeah, or do I'm you not. let it ride? Well, what about you? I would probably settle, but I would be very tempted to let it ride. I don't know, man. I, don't, I, can't, I can't be in that position where it, where I lose. And then you think you wishing that you were taking the money. Hmm. I don't know, man. A billion dollars, I don't you never have to worry about another thing. You're right, but then I'd be mad and I'd be like all against college basketball. I'd hate college kids if they cost me a billion dollars and... <laughs> Yeah, the NCAA was not happy about this billion dollar bracket challenge. Why? Why are they not happy? They're making a billion dollars off your kids. Understandably so, though. I have a big issue with that. I don't even want to get into that tonight. I'm one of those people that has a, a real big issue on college athletes not being paid. Like, they get a stipend through the school or, like, something. Right. I don't understand how you can make so much money off them. 
but then logically say back like no you can't make any money off your likeness or what you do like I don't I don't like that too tough but I'm glad you asked that question because it was something that I was thinking about recently and um glad you asked I wasn't gonna bring it up I was gonna talk about the amazing time that we had last night not last night I'm sorry last week on the show I don't know why I'm thinking about last night like I did something that I could share with you guys on air wink wink but I had a really really good show last week where we did um, the in rotation playlist and I'm sorry just you know how it is when people start texting you for shout outs so um, last week's in rotation playlist shout out to my sister Ty Elise who brought us a very very good playlist I enjoyed that last week a lot of people hit me up and they enjoyed it and they want to do their own playlist now and one person actually hit me up and asked me when were when was the Q-Man and T-Mitch doing um their playlist again so we didn't we didn't remind everybody last week that Q and I are going to do a a face-off type playlist on August 13th his playlist against my playlist song for song and we're going to let the listeners decide who the winner is yeah, you and I are going and to discuss I already know what I want when I win <laughs> because I still think we should do separate shows yeah I know that's what you think but I would much rather we go head to head, but we can discuss it off air. We'll get Sister Sweet's opinion and get some other folks' opinion as well, see how they feel about it. But yeah, like I said, I don't want Just to throw it out there, I think that since I have had questionably the greatest Wednesday night ever with my in rotation playlist, I think I should be given the first choice. You should be given the first choice, or you get to go first. No, I should be given choice of how it's done in terms of whether or not to have separate nights. Um, I don't, I don't know about that. But what we can do is again speak with, you know, XTL, see what they think, run it by some listeners, see what they think. The listeners I suppose do love the idea of the, the song for song back and forth thing they absolutely love it and I got I don't like band that. back together I went and got my girls I went and got my backup singers and told them that we gotta get back in the studio like you can't tell me now that <laughs> that we not we not gonna do it so you know tell us we gotta worry about that but we'll talk about that we'll discuss that right now technically it's August 13th you could all see Q-Man trying to get out of that but we'll talk about that and if we do do the face-off I'm you know now we do the face-off and I win there's no more debate. You go back to doing the big introductions. You would win because you're doing it your way. Okay. I would I would win because I'm putting it in the fans' hands. If the fans decide that my playlist was better than yours, and that's just the fans' decision. Remember, I don't just do a playlist. I do a whole presentation. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm listening. I, look, I took it easy the first time around it was my birthday I was tired <laughs> I did songs that we could play in full length I didn't go as deep as everyone else did I took it easy 
I'm even giving the month of May away this year so that I can put all the energy I need to into my playlist. Like, don't sleep. <laughs> don't do that. And Sister Sweetness, I was saying, wait until her playlist. So she feels like your playlist ain't even going to be the best one by the time she finish. <laughs> but yeah, great time on last week's show. Um, what I meant by like this weekend, I went out to New York. I was in the city this weekend. I was at um, Pulse. You were at who? Pulse, the karaoke nightclub. Oh, okay. Yes, having a very, very good time. Shout out to everybody that was at Pulse on Saturday night, um, especially the inebriated brothers of the Caucasian persuasion that was singing um, <laughs> Love in the Club. <laughs> My God. Um, very, very funny. Had a really, really good time. Uh, I might go back out. I don't know when, but had a really, really good time. Shout out to getting everybody out of Pulse. Karaoke is fun, man. Not just Filipinos aren't the only ones that do it. I like karaoke. I can't see. Now, I can't see you because you like 8 foot 20. I can't see you doing karaoke. <laughs> I just like to watch. Oh, okay. So you don't actually get up there on stage and sing? No. I have to put something together, man. We could do that. Because <laughs> you get to do rap songs, too. So you could tap into your inner thug and... You know, do DMX and Jay Z song from the nineties. Really? Yeah, man. They, they got the rap songs too. It's not just singing. I didn't know that. Yeah. So yeah, shout out to everybody that was Pulse. Had a very, very good time. And again, uh, this is the third Wednesday of the month, so tonight will be the Wednesday rewind. We'll be waiting on Mike Bone, Chancellor Soul, to join us so we can spotlight another great soul artist uh, tonight being Otis Redding you know about Otis Redding too much I'm not trying to put I you on the spot I, or anything I know his name so I'm pretty sure I'm going to hear some stuff that I know mm-hmm. but I didn't associate with Otis Redding so I'm going to be okay. learning and listening tonight and tonight we're doing something a little different we're going to go with a mix tonight so instead of going you know one song here one song here or two over here and then you know jumping back and forth we're going to talk a little bit with the chancellor then we're going to play the mix that we have um, and didn't he sing and then we'll come back a woman? I'm sorry what was that didn't he sing when a man loves a woman originally that's a question for for the chancellor. I don't pretend to know <laughs> information about artists that we spotlight. I don't do that. I just I'm here to listen. My notebook is out. My mother would be ashamed because she loves all this writing, and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm gonna hear a lot of this stuff by the end of the song. Like, oh yeah, I know him. So again, shout out to everybody who is listening. Shout out again to Tylee's back in the chat room. Um, I want to say this one air for all the listeners. We don't want you guys to think that this is just something that, you know, we do for y'all. We have y'all come on the show and do y'all play with and no one is paying attention. Don't believe that. The CEO of XTDL.com was listening last week. He texted us all as he was heading to South by Southwest. And he loved the show last week and it was his favorite show. And Q and I have been on the air almost two years now. Hmm. That says a lot. 
and Q's song Keith was nobody the last week <laughs> show was his favorite show <laughs> well, okay so again that's he's not gonna to that. come on he's not gonna admit that my show was his favorite come on Anyway, shout out again to Ali for having the favorite show. Again, listeners, just hit us up. You hit us up on Twitter at the Neil Soul Show or Facebook at Facebook.com slash the Neil Soul Show. You can email us, the Neil Soul Show at gmail.com and just submit your playlist to us, seven to ten songs, and we'll respond back to you, let you know if we can get you on air. And I do believe Q is working on the artist that's going to do the in rotation playlist for the next month. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. We did talk about it. That was a test to make sure you were paying attention. Of course, man. Okay, so unless so, you got anything else too you want to talk about before we bring the chancellor on? No, man. Nothing at all. He was just talking about trading Deshaun Jackson. That's nothing you want to talk about. No, they're not getting rid of him. That's just talk. I do want to ask Chancellor about that bracket thing, though. Okay, well, before we go any further, I did point out I had my lit rant last week. I wanted to point out to you, I didn't realize how important red meat was to me. Just missing people, I've been tired. My eye, my left eye has been twitching, and I am like very, very much aggressive. Like I feel like the next person that sits next to me with a hamburger, it might be your life. It's gonna be a problem, seriously. I'm going to sleep for like eight, nine hours, waking up tired. Like, I need some beef love. Seriously. I need length to be over so I can hit Shake Shack and get a couple of double cheeseburgers. It's a problem. I just wanted to say that because you laughed so hard last week. Tell everybody that, you know, I'm the only person that can not like, let go of red meat and still be aggressive. So. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, man, I need it, seriously. So, without further ado, again, it is the Wednesday Rewind. We are spotlighting Otis Redding tonight, and we cannot, and because we choose to, will not do the Wednesday Rewind without our favorite guest, Avi Chancellor of Soul, Mr. Mike Boom. Mike, we got you on the line? Yes, I'm here. How are you? Booney. Hey, how's it going? All right. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, I can't wait to talk about Otis Redding, but I gotta ask you what I've been asking everybody first. Mm-hmm. This Warren Buffett college for college basketball bracket thing. Is Warren you, Buffett what? You, <laughs> say that again. <laughs> you know the NCAA college basketball tournament. Yeah. Okay. Well, Warren Buffett has offered a billion dollars to anyone that can make submit a perfect tournament sheet getting all of the games right now that's almost impossible but it's been done before so what I've been asking everybody they had him on a show and basically he said that they asked him what would you do if someone had a perfect sheet going into the final four which is the last three games and he said I would call them and try to buy them out. I'd offer them 10 or 15 million. Right. So what I want to know is if you had a perfect sheet going into the final four mm-hmm. and Warren Buffett called you and said, I'll give you 10, 15 million right now, tax free. Would you take it or would you let it ride for the billion? Let it ride for the billion. There you go. <laughs> 
who wants a measly that ride for the billion? There you go. <laughs> That's what I wanted to hear, man. I couldn't do it, Mike. I took the punk way out. He called me. I'm taking twelve. Oh. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's that's what I had to ask you. I don't know if you heard us talking about Otis Redding before you came on a little bit, mm-hmm. but I was saying to Mitchell, I I want to say he's the original singer of When a Man Loves a Woman. Is that right? No, Percy Sledge Whoops. is the singer of um, When a Man Loves a Woman. They but you know they're like in the same well that Southern Soul. That's probably why you. You know, okay. he did it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Percy Slizzy was the one that uh, recorded that uh, that particular song. Okay. And they recorded the same studio, actually, in Fame Studios in, in uh, Muscle Schultz, Alabama. So, really? you know, yeah. Uh-huh. Same musicians, basically. And, um, yep, sure did. Recalls uh, Fame Studios out there in Muscle Schultz. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep, Percy Sledge is the man. Well, we're looking forward to hearing about Otis Redding tonight. Otis is undoubtedly one of the greatest soul singers ever lived, basically. And, um, you know, he had a style that was unmatched, you know, to this day. And, um, you know, his, his, his legacy continues to grow each time, you know, because... Which I'm very proud of because uh, in growing up listening to his music, and I got to see him one time, but I was very young at the Apollo. Wow. And yeah, and um, all I remember was this big guy walking across the stage and had his band back, you know, back in band. And mm-hmm. he just literally turned, literally turned the stage out, you know, turned mm-hmm. the show out, basically, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's undoubtedly he, he he's he's unmatched, and uh, his legacy continues to lives on through movies and you know movie trailers and television shows. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's you know it's it, it's unreal. Wow! And he's the king. He's the king of the Memphis sound. Hmm. Okay, That's so Sister Sister Sweet didn't say anything in the chat room. The king of the Memphis sound. Mm. Like Sister Sweet normally jumps all over Memphis when, whenever Memphis gets mentioned. She even shouts out the Grizzlies. Well, you know, it has to be about good dry rub. I <laughs> <laughs> right, you, you were saying. <laughs> oh, so for T. Mitch's sake, and I, a little bit for myself, tell us a couple of his most famous hits. Well, my goodness. Um, of course, sitting on the dock of the bay, you know, is his signature song. Uh, unfortunately, he never lived to see that song, you know, really become number one and his first million seller. It's like a, you know, it was released after his death, and uh, that is the most known song. But his composition is respect that Aretha Franklin recorded. He was the one that wrote that song and recorded it first. And two really? years later, she came and, and recorded that. Yeah. Um, respect. I would say these arms of mine. Um, let's see. Pain in my heart. That's like another one. Tri- tribal hmm. tenderness, of course. Uh, you know, Jay-Z and Kanye West sampled that for the oldest song they did a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, tribal tenderness, I would say Tramp. 
his duet with uh, Carla Thomas, another great uh, Memphis soul female artist. Um, I also I would say Fa 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 Fa, sad song. Uh, interesting title because if anybody out there heard the song, it's basically that was named after his um, horn riffs. He would just describe the type of horn riffs that he wants the Memphis horns to play. And he would just shake his fist. I want that fa 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 fa. That's that sound. Fa 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 fa. You know. And so his collaborator was Steve Cropper, the guitarist for M- Booger T and the MGs. Uh, they always collaborated on songs. You know, like Mr. Pitiful. That was another one. Cause the DJ down south had called him Mr. Pitiful because he sounds so pitiful in his songs. And so he would nickname him Mr. Pitiful every time he played Otis Redding song on his show. So they got the idea of writing. As a matter of fact, Steve Cropper was taking a shower, and he came up with the idea of Mr. Pitiful. And they're in the car. He picked up Otis, and they're in the car, and Otis is beating on his legs. You know, they call me Mr. Pitiful, you know, and, and they came up with the concept of the song, and they wrote it and recorded it. So that one, and I would say uh, his remake of um, the Rolling Stones Satisfaction, mm-hmm. uh, he did that one. And um, my God, it's so many. It's so many. Um, this is My Lover's Prayer. You know, I've Been Loving You Too Long, another masterpiece that's been uh, featured in television shows and, you know, in movies. His collaboration with the great Jerry Butler, you know, Chicago soul singer. Um they were in a hotel, and Jerry had this a few of these lyrics, and uh, they were doing a show in Buffalo. So they collaborated in this hotel room, and Otis said, "Well, let me take it home, and I'll finish it, you know, and, you know, and and I'll record it." No, he said, well, he said he recorded, but he said, "Let me take it home, and I'll finish it." So he said, Jerry Butler said, "Oh, two weeks later, Otis had called him and said, you know that song you gave me, you know, to finish.' He said, "Yeah." Well, I recorded it. He said, you got to be kidding. So he played the song for him. And Jerry said it, it, it was totally different for, you know, the concept that he had, you know, about the song. And the next thing you know, that came as his, his next masterpiece. So, yeah, those are the main songs that a lot of people... Oh, of course, I got to mention Love Man. Because Love mm-hmm. Man was featured in the movie Dirty Dancing with Patrick Swayze. Wow. And yeah, there's a scene in there where they dance to Love Man, Otis Redding's Love Man. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, this is a big deal. Wow. I knew some of those songs, Carol. So I thought it was going to be one I of those. I know you did. I know the song. I just didn't associate it with Otis, but I do know mm-hmm. those songs. So I'm looking forward to hearing a little more about it. Mike, um, Sister Sweet in the chat room wanted us to ask you who do you feel is the heir or has become the heir to the southern music sound you mean today or just in general i guess let's 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 go with in general in general okay i see al green uh he was like a predecessor to otis redding after otis redding was was you know killed in the plane crash um I would say Sue Johnson, the father of Selena Johnson, the female singer on R&B Divas. Um, my God, um, O.V. Wright, another Southern soul singer, James Carr. Uh, oh boy, there's so many. Percy Sledge, of course, Wilson Pickett. Um, 
it's, it's, it's quite a few. It's a whole lot of them. I would have to say the biggest one after Otis Redding would be Al Green because he carried that sound into the 70s and, you know, it, 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 it just mastered it. So those are some of the people I would say. Carla Thomas is another one. Booker T and the MGs. Uh, man, geez, boy, so many. <laughs> so many, but... Those are the those those are the people that I can think of now, where it being so many artists to capture that Memphis sound, you know. Wow. But I would really say the big uh, predecessor is Al Green. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, sister, sleep okay with that. She 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 typed Al Green in the chat room also. She opened up. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alright Q, you was all excited You couldn't wait to start talking about Oh, this is going on, man, you sound quiet over there I'm listening Oh, this was fantastic I know he died really young Yeah Yeah, very young And that's, you know, he was on the You know, the peak of his success You know, when he w- was killed, unfortunately You know, in the plane crash Which was extremely sad, you know um, One of the second uh, plane crashes at that time before then it was like Big Holly I mean um, Buddy Holly and the Big Bopper and uh, Richie Valens mm-hmm. I think uh, about eight seven eight years before you know as far as the rock and roll singers and you know right. entertainers um, another country singer named uh, I think it was I don't know it was Jim Reeves or one of them had was also killed in a plane crash you know so you know, it was very, really, really sad that Otis, you know, it was really sad and shocking that, you know, uh, he was killed. Him and the Barkays. I don't know if you mm-hmm. heard them. I mentioned, you know, the Barkays mm-hmm. were the original Barkays, except two members were killed in that plane crash. And one surviving member was a trumpet player named Ben Cauley. And when the plane had, you know, landed in the icy waters, you know, in um, Wisconsin, he was a sole survivor. You know, the, the unfortunate thing was he had listened to his bandmates die when they all drowned. You know, they, they were calling for help, and he couldn't get to them. And the, and the water, he said, was so cold. You know, his legs was numb. And he said he blanked out. He said the only thing he remembered was the, the lifeguard people pulling them in. And all the barcades, they went under. Otis was under, you know, and strapped in his seat when he was killed. <clears throat> and after they pulled, you know, the bodies up, Jet Magazine had got a lot of, oh, man, just about hate mail because they had pictured, you know, the pictures oh, they had wow. put on the magazine of, you know, Otis being strapped in the chair and him, his body being lifted up, you know, from the waters. And a lot of people were outraged that Jet, Jet Magazine would publish those pictures. So, yeah, it was, it was a big thing. They published what pictures? They, pu- the they published pictures, pictures of, uh, of Otis Redding's, you know, yeah, when they pulled the him out of the icy and, water. In the water. Right. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. So they got a lot of flack, you know, from people all over the country saying, well, how could you publish these pictures? You know, who mm-hmm. want to see that, you know? But right. Otis had died a millionaire, you know, and, um, you know, he has three kids, and his kids actually, two of his sons and the cousin, 
had a hit record in 1980 called Remote Control. They were the Riddings. And they had two hits, Classes What You Got and Remote Control. And they also did a version of Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. <clears throat> so his kids were successful for a little while. You know. And, um, so yeah. You know, the Otis was a big deal, you know. All right. And then wow. during also the time he was crossing over to a white audience when he played mm-hmm. the Monterey Pop in 67 with Booger T and the MGs. You know, he just didn't know, you know, that you got to remember, it was like a closed society in Memphis when they were just doing the music or they were having fun and putting records out, you know. But they didn't realize on the other side of the world, like England, which they, they toured, they had the Stax Vault Tour in England in 1967 in March 67 matter of fact 40 was it 47 years this month uh, they went on tour in England and sold out every show and Otis was you know he was over there before and um, they they you know everywhere they went standing ovations sold out shows and mm-hmm. didn't realize the popularity of their music over there and then came the Monterey Pop months later and Otis that's how he Wrote sitting on the dock of the bay because uh, John Phillips and the Mamas and Papas hosted, you know, the show along with um, oh the man that was running the Monterey Park. I can't think of his name right this minute, but he let Otis stay on this boat in Sausalito, California. So that's how he came up with Dock of the Bay because he was actually on the dock of the bay on his on on the boat. So hey. wow, yeah. Well, why don't we take a little time and play some of the music from Otis Redding, and then we'll get back and uh, talk a little bit more about the music, because I think uh, I will have been refreshed with what I know, and uh, Q will have gotten a little more comfortable with talking about Otis, and he won't be in listening mode anymore. <laughs> All right, so the Neo Soul Show will be right back, and these are the classics from Mr. Otis Redding. Arms of mine, they are lonely, lonely and building in blue. These arms of mine. I don't want to stop you. 
got to go home with me I forgot some good old love And then I got some in store When I get through throwing it on you You got to come back for more Boys and things will come by the dozen But that ain't nothing but first old loving Pretty little thing let me light your count Cause mama I'm so hard to hell and I yes around Nice. 
little interlude. That's good stuff. If I remember That's correctly, the whistle was impromptu. Mm-hmm. You're the man of cigar. Because he <laughs> couldn't, um, at the time of the recording, he couldn't come up with any words. So he mm-hmm. whistled, you know, mm-hmm. towards the end of the song. And, uh, you know, Steve Cropper said he didn't know what to do, so he whistled, <laughs> you know, which was the best choice, actually. You know, because that really yeah. made the ending, you know, wonderful and soothing. Yep. Oh, and that little uh, song in there, uh, Sweet Soul Music, it was, by, it, was, it was recorded by Arthur Conley. He was a protege. He was one of Otis's protégés that he found in Baltimore. And um, Conley, see, Otis's idol was Sam Cooke. So, you know, Arthur Conley sounded so much like Sam Cooke that Otis just took him in. And he wrote that song dedicated to the soul singers and the songs that were out at that time. And uh, got Arthur Conley to record that. And it came from a Sam Cooke song called Yeah Man. And in the beginning of the song, when it goes, dem, 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 it was an old Marlboro commercial that used to come on television. And they used that, you know, uh, which was uh, The Magnificent Seven, the, the, the classic movie from 1959, 60, rather. And he took that intro and put it in at the beginning. So that's Otis's first million selling production. So we had to add that in. You know, to show the uh, not only just songwriting, singing style of Otis, but he was a great producer and songwriter. You know, so that would have to be added in. Wow. Now he was a bit a pretty big guy, right? Yeah, Otis was six one, two hundred and ten pounds. And football player too, I think, right? I'm sorry. And he was pretty athletic, too, right? Yeah, he loved football. Football mm-hmm. was his specialty. He loved football. And as you can see from his physique, he was a, bit of, he was a pretty big boy there, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, he loved, he loved uh, football. He loved mm-hmm. football. And um, interesting to know that he has a ranch, a big old ranch, that his wife, uh, Zelma, still stays at to this day. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece of land. You know that he bought, and uh, fourteen rooms, and animals, horses, cows, pigs. He was just a typical country boy, you know. And he wanted he bought that ranch, and it's still matter of fact he's buried out there as well too, not too mm-hmm. far from his house. And um, sometimes Redding gets visitors from all over the world, you know, to come there. Young people, you know, who were diehard Otis Redding fans. And a couple of times she let him in and they would stand by his graveside and, and they would start crying, you know, and, um, you know, paying homage to him, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so, yeah, Otis died a millionaire, but uh, music lives on. Wow. And a couple of rappers that sampled him, too. So that kept him, you know, the money flowing too. Like Tramp, you know, Salt and Pepper right. did that. <clears throat> and um, if you notice, it was a song hard to handle. I forgot who sampled that one, 
But uh, I don't know if it's. I think it's Ghost. I think I think Ghostface has sampled that one a few years ago. Nice. And yeah. So yeah, he's been sampled, and you know. And of course, I mentioned Jay Z and Kanye West also with Otis. You know, so. Right. Which is one of my favorite songs. All by them. Uh, by, mm-hmm. by them together, and Tyler Tender is my favorite. Oh, period. Otis Redding song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, I knew, I knew, I knew, I know information about that song. See, I, I know this, you didn't know this. Did you know, too, that a lot of people tried to keep Otis from doing Try a Little Tenderness because it had been done before by Bing Crosby and Frank Sinatra and they didn't want it from a Negro perspective? No. Yeah, he's right. See, I knew that. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> wow. And he also got sued. They were they was trying to prevent from recording that song. Um, when they released it, they wanted to stay. They they sued him. Well, actually, him and Al Bell, who was vice president, well, who actually was president of Stax Vault Records, and uh, they had to get a clearing, a publishing clearing, so the song could be released because no R and B singer had sang. That was a standard, and like you mentioned earlier, Bean Crosby and you know. And Ted Woods Orchestra was the first to record that song, so it's like a, a pop standard. So here comes an R&B soul singer, 30 years later, recording that song, and they're like, "Oh no, 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 no! You know, you know, you can't do that." So you know, it, it took some doing, you know, some red, you know, it, it took some red tape basically to get the song released. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. And of course, you heard respect, good. you know. And the, yeah, I was a surprise because, like I said, know the song, had no clue that that it was mm-hmm. Otis that was singing it. Yeah, I'd heard that version before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Rita had loved that version too because he has a a classic album called Otis Redding, Otis Blue, and which the critics and even Rolling Stone considered one of the greatest soul albums of all time of the 60s and Rita heard that song and, and was in, she was in love with it you know uh, she had heard the song before she had got signed with Atlantic Records and she told Jerry Wexler that she would love to do that song and Jerry was one of the producers on that particular uh, that on that song in that session mm-hmm. so he knew all about it. he was he was if some of you know who Jerry Wexler was he was the uh, vice president of Atlantic Records and he's the one that coined the term rhythm and blues when he worked at um, Billboard magazine. So, um, you know, of course he was he identified with the song Respect. And he said, sure. And next thing you know, Aretha turned that into an anthem. To this day, it's, it's one of the most famous recordings, R&B recordings ever. Wow. You know, so Otis, uh, he said a comment, matter of fact, that girl and stole my song away from me. You know, he was joking when he said it. But it he he laughed all the way to the bank. <laughs> you know? Wow. So he sure did. To this day he's running all the way to the bank, you know. Yeah, stay so. You know? Mm-hmm. And of course, Love Man, I had had that, like I said, it was in the movie Dirty Dancing. So, um, Again, Otis, you know, he ran to the bank with that one because the soundtrack sold millions. Mm-hmm. You know, and identified with the younger generation 
of the late 80s who didn't even know who Otis Redding was. Right. You know, so. Very commercially successful. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And like I said, Otis's music has been, you know, played in television shows like The Wonder Years and and uh, so many shows, you know, so many shows. Um it's you can't even count on your on, on two of your hands, you know. So yeah, Easy. imagine all he could have accomplished. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he probably would have been one of the greatest producers. You know, he was already a, a great songwriter, and um, he produced the Arthur Conley million seller. So you know, um, God only knows what he would have, what he would have done with his life. You know, continuing the music business or done television. Who knows? You know, moving. Yeah, especially that time. We were moving, in, we were moving into the 70s, so yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know. I was just thinking about also, that. Mm-hmm. Go right. I'm sorry. I was just saying, just thinking about that. Like, like we were getting ready to move into into the 70s and, and black exploitation films and... Mm-hmm. Like, wow, we, we think he's been using a sample now. Imagine what it would have been like he'd have been around for that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, movie scores, anything. He he just was, you know, artistically, you know, a genius, basically. You know, because, you know, and everyone asked about the horns session. They're the Memphis horns. And they have played in all of the recordings of Stacks Vault. Um... Aretha Franklin, you name it, you know, Percy Sledge, everybody, Al Green, everybody, you know, uh, they're the greatest, one of the greatest horn sessions uh, on the planet, you know, so a lot of people have asked about who were those guys playing the horns in this Memphis horns, just to put that in there. I've learned a lot today How about you, Joe. <laughs> That's what I was just saying. You should be doing your stuff, man. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. I, I learned a lot as usual. You know, especially everybody in the chat room. It's been a really, it's been a really quiet show. Not a lot of, not a lot of chatter in the chat room. Q and I have just been listening. I think everybody was 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 taking it in, soaking it in tonight. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, like I said, his legacy just, you know, continues to live on through DVDs, you know. He has a great DVD, you know, called Dreams to Remember, the legacy of Otis Redding, if you're interested in, you know, hearing interviews with Jim Stewart, the uh, uh, the founder of Stax Vault Records, and Al Bell, who became president of Stax Records in, you know, um, in the late 60s, and um, his daughter, Carla. And his wife Zelma, you know, and, and, and uh, Steve Cropper and Wayne, you know, Wayne Jackson from the Memphis Horns, you know, it's a very, very educational DVD. And anybody, you know, I would, I would advise that, you know, to if you really want to get into the history of Otis Redding. Sounds good. You know. One day we gotta have you on, and we gotta just talk about the black exploitation era. I really oh, love I loved it. to chat with you about that. Well, that's definitely my era. 
So, yeah, I would love that. Absolutely. So me and T. Mitchell have to work that out so I can start bragging about how I met Jim Kelly and Fred Williamson. Yeah, uh, again. Again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you didn't appear in one of those black exploitation movies, did you? He probably I wish did, I could. you know, because he, he said he was in Lean on Me, too. He probably was in it. <laughs> I was a major Jim Kelly fan. Yes. So, luckily, I got to meet him the year before he passed away. Oh, wow. Look at that. And I have a picture to prove it. Wow. wow. I'll show it to you one day, Booney. I would love to see it. Yeah, I'll have to show it to you. Yeah, I get T. Mitch. I'm going to send it to you to post on my Twitter account. Okay. I always wanted to say that. I, I sounded so important just now. <laughs> so we want to thank Booney again for, as usual, being fantastic, teaching us a, a boat of stuff we appreciate. And um, it's about that time for T. Mitch and myself. We will be back next week and we'll try to do better. Um, any last words, T-Mitch? Yeah, as always, uh, just to piggyback on what you just said, again, Mike, thank you, as always, every month coming through and just blessing us with your presence and knowledge and, and the sound and educating not only Q on myself, but our listeners. They absolutely love it. And uh, we look forward to you next week. I'm sorry, next month. See, I'm so excited. I thought you'd come back next week. <laughs> it was my pleasure I love doing these shows and thank you so much for having me and to the listeners thank you so much for tuning in and it's always a pleasure you know especially with you fellas I enjoyed immensely thank you sir and next week on the and next week on the Neo Soul Show we have uh, Sharif Sharif is going to be a guest on the Neo Soul Show well there you have it Sister Sweet thanks for holding us down and we will be back next week stay out of trouble everybody make sure your brackets are right xtl.com we're out of here good night everybody good night everybody